the commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol two man car, Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez. Eddie, welcome to the show, my friend. It's good to have you back. Thank you, Jess. It's good to be back. That's for sure. Hey, just want to let, just let uh, all the family out there know that the month of July is dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus. We don't celebrate pride, that's a sin. Last month, we celebrated the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This month, Catholics celebrate the precious blood of Jesus. The Feast of the Precious Blood of Our Lord was instituted in 1849 by Pope Pius IX. But the devotion is as old as Christianity. In fact, the early church fathers say that the church was born from the sight of Christ and the sacraments were brought forth through His blood. So remember, Catholics, let's go to Mass as often as possible in the month of July. Go and visit Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament as well. Uh, get in some holy hours this month. And let's, re- let's not forget that the, most, the, the quickest, fastest way to get to heaven is receiving Jesus Christ every Sunday at Mass, body, blood, soul, and divinity in a state of sanctifying grace. Any comments? Jess, it's just good to be out of June, that's for sure. <laughs> Hey, I just want to, there's a couple of good news items I just want to mention, Eddie. The Supreme Court of the United States, thanks be to God, I think they were probably encouraged by what they saw at Dodger Stadium because they gave us three decisions back-to-back. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has ruled in favor of a Christian web designer who doesn't want to make LGBT wedding sites. Victory. Another good news story, the Supreme Court struck down on June 29th the use of racially discriminatory admissions policies at U.S. colleges. So the 6-3 decision ends the so-called affirmative action in higher education, which is a long-time goal for us as conservatives. And uh, another Supreme Court decision that was passed was Biden was told by the Supreme Court that he cannot, uh, he cannot get rid of the... Uh, College tuition for young people or, or pay it off or whatever he wanted to do. The Supreme Court decision said that's outside of the bounds of his authority. So, Eddie, I don't know about you, but uh, there's been three good decisions back to back. And that that that, that brings a smile to my face. Yeah, Jess, I, I think that we have to consider that we're out of June. We're getting a lot more uh, conservative decisions coming out of the Supreme Court. That's beautiful. We have to give thanks to the blood of Christ for that. Uh, because ultimately, just that's uh, that's that's what we're responsible for is is for uh, being good Catholics and making good decisions like that. And when the Supreme Court goes along with us, we're perfect. Yeah, I think they were probably they they've been seeing these rallies all over the country from Catholics, and I think the Catholic Supreme Court justices are just saying, you know what? Um, yep. I think it emboldened them. I think it gave them courage to do the right thing. I, you know, they're, they're men and women like we are. They feel the sense of fear as well. But they're seeing, hey, these Catholics are waking up all over the country and standing up for their rights. And so uh, I think, again, they just did the right thing. Yeah, I, just, I think, yeah, they're emboldened, Just They're emboldened by by everything that you guys accomplished at the rally that we did together. They, they're watching the news. They, they know the, the, the uh, happenings around the country. So I think they're uh, they're going along with that. And, and you know, even, even Sotomayor and some of the other uh, uh, justices, they, uh, they have to see it. Uh, the proper way, even though they uh, uh, dissent from the decision. 
I agree with you. Eddie, we want to jump into a, a topic here. It's called How the Satanic Temple Became a Queer Haven, which is something that I've been saying for months, if not years, that the transgender movement is satanic. And this article and others that I've, sh- that I've shown you in the past prove the nexus between Satanism and the transgender movement. And so this article was written, I think, by secular humanists, but they, they nailed it. It was written by the Vice Staff, okay? It says in the early, and by the way, there's a picture there of a guy named Ash Astaroth, and Astaroth is a demon god in the Old Testament, who we rebuke, reject, and renounce in Jesus' name. So he's mm-hmm. posing on a satanic throne with another demon deity, uh, that, that demon deity Baphomet, if you look at it, who we reject, rebuke, and renounce in Jesus' name, go to the foot of the cross that Jesus Christ may do with you as he wills. Uh, that demon starts with, starts with a B, I just mentioned his name is a transgender demon. If you look at the body parts, it's a transgender demon. So let's jump into the article. It says here, in the early 90s, Ash Blackwood, who goes publicly by his pseudonym, Ash Astaroth, which Astaroth is a demon of the Old Testament, was an openly gay teen looking for community in his tiny Ohio suburb. And he found it when he stumbled upon Satanism. With his piercings and blue hair, he found empowerment by embracing his own brand of weirdness, something that brought him routine high school bullying, but seemed to be embraced by the church of Satan. Without a physical church to visit, he said he'd spend a few hours each day at his local library, logging into online satanic forums and chatting with like-minded souls. For several years, those virtual chats sufficed. Ultimately, however, he became disenchanted by the church's insincere and aggressive tone, not to mention the bros who infected the scene with outdated machismo. Eddie, you want to pick it up from there? Sure, Jess. He says, uh, he goes on to say, the article goes on to say, um, he nearly ditched Satanism altogether in 2014 as he prepared for a life explaining away his Luciferian tattoos uh, with a a spiel about liking the uh, literary archetype he discovered the satanic temple as unrelated uh, through similarly named uh, group. Let me get down here. I'm sorry. Uh, it was uh, actually an uh, anti-satanic temple rant that drew him to the organization. Posted uh, to YouTube uh, by Brian Werner, a former death metal vocalist in the band Vital Remains. Uh, it became it becomes it's become a very liberal, compassionate, borderline hippie-like outlook on politics and societal issues, said Warner. Uh, if the guy is leaving the satanic temple for those reasons, Astaroth recalls thinking, that's exactly where I need to be. Uh, so it goes on. It goes on to say, a year later, uh, Astaroth established New York City's first satanic temple chapter, mm. pulling an online community uh, into a real-life group nearly 80 members strong, the first IRL's chapter in the city. The goal to make it uh, not just accepting of LGBTQ people, but an enthusiastically accepting atmosphere for LGBTQ people, he said. In other words, the kind of group he's longed for, for uh, as a teen in Ohio, uh, to wit, the first question on the New York chapter's membership application asks for one preferred pronoun, which establishes a communal sense of respect uh, while also acting as a safety net. If someone takes the opportunity to answer it in a flippant way, 
they're just not going to be a good fit for our chapter, Jess. That's what it says. Here's something interesting, Eddie. You know the way the, the transgender movement uses pronouns like they, them, us. Here's what's interesting is in the New Testament, when our Lord would confront a demon-possessed person, they would identify themselves with a pronoun. You, you find many instances where they will say, uh, my name is Legion, for we are many. And so it's not a coincidence that the transgender individual identifies himself as a plurality of persons. And the reason is, is because I would argue is that they, they're diabolically afflicted or even possessed by a host of demons. And we'll get back to the, We'll go deeper into that a little bit after. Uh, it says here, he has since moved to Salem, Massachusetts, where he's now the director of the temple's headquarters and remains an assistant chapter of the New York City group he founded. So, Eddie, this group is expanding. The transgenders and the Temple of Satan, they're working together. They're expanding all over the country. The temple's openness to intersectional identities, that means, you know, you're whatever sex and gender you want to become. That's what intersectional means. Is just part of what's endeared him so strongly to the group. Queer is an extra layer on top of being gay, just like Satan is an extra layer on top of being an atheist, Astaroth said. You can be both. Notice what he said. You can be both what? Queer and Satanist. This would have been news to me six months ago. <clears throat> At 26 years old, newly lesbian, and navigating the tail end of a five-year relationship with the man I loved, I didn't know what to call myself aside from confused, figuring I might as well lean into that untethered panic. I attended a public forum hosted by the Satanic Temple's Los Angeles chapter, held at a biker bar in the suburbs. I showed up wearing mom's jeans and fit in seamlessly, and I've since become a member in good standing. Since then, I've been consumed with all the things, all things Satanic Temple. As someone who identifies as both gay and queer, queer in the modern sense of rejecting binary thinking, I feel at home in its embrace of complexity. As it turns out, I'm not alone. Eddie, you want to pick it up? Sure, I'll keep going. Uh, with 60 chapters around the world, many of them online, according to Ali chapter head Ali Kellogg, uh, more than and more than 70,000 followers on Facebook, the temple has gained recent attention thanks to several campaigns meant to challenge the religious rights grip on American uh, American policymaking. Take for example its fight for reproductive rights. A campaign to install a statue of its gender fluid deity near a Ten Commandments monument outside the Oklahoma State Capitol. Building and offer to perform same sex weddings when Michigan state officials wouldn't. Vice has previously covered the temple's first pink mass, in which spokesman Lucian Greaves trolled the founder of the Westboro uh, Baptist Church by having same sex couples kiss over his dead mother's grave. Mm. But beyond these uh, kinds of stunts, the temple is an important movement that proves a safe, radically inclusive space for people who identify in all sorts of ways. Without defining itself as LGBTQ organization outright, the Satanic Temple has become a haven for queer folks. Heartbreak, stick around, yeah. don't go anywhere. Justin Eddy, Jesus 911, talking about the transgender movement of the Temple of Satan, they seem to be one and the same. Stick around, don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man call. We're talking about the Temple of Satan and the transgender movement. They seem to be locking arms, or they actually seem to be one and the same. They're definitely bedfellows. And this article showing the nexus between both of them. Eddie, that last sentence that you just shared, it says, without defining itself as an LGBTQ organization outright, the satanic temple has become a haven for queer folks. And and it says, at the first meeting I attended, nearly everyone I talked to was confidently queer, gay, pansexual, transgender, bi, polyamorous, or something in between. There's still ample confusion about what it means to be a Satanist, given society's long history of pegging Satan at the root of all evil. That's that's fair, though it's worth making some distinctions. Anton LaVey, a then 36-year-old American musician, founded the Church of Satan in 1966 in San Francisco with the mission of creating an organization openly dedicated to the acceptance of man's true nature, that of a carnal beast, living in a cosmos that is indifferent to our existence. The Satanic Temple, which is basically the second generation of the second wave of Satanists in this country, on the other hand, was created by Lucian Greaves, a Harvard graduate. His real name is Doug Mesner and Malcolm Jerry in 2014 to promote humanistic principles of benevolence and empathy. So, any notice the second wave of Satanists, they're trying to use terms that identify themselves as virtuous uh, so that so that they benevolent. Yeah, but yeah, benevolent empathy. Why? You know why? They want to cast a wider net than Anton LaVey did. Anton LaVey said, we're Satanists, okay? But these guys are saying, oh yeah, we're Satanists, but we're benevolent and we're empathetic to other people's causes like the transgender movement. So again, they're trying to cast a wider net to get more uh, liberals and, and, and modernists and woke young people into their movement. Comments? Yeah, Jess, you know, I always thought uh, new and improved products are never new and improved. This is the same old stuff we've heard before. Yes, I think we could see the the developing, well, not developing, because I know that, that, that they were infused, the angels were infused with knowledge from the beginning. But you could see how they've adapted to our our, our desire for some of those terms, those, those benevolent, uh, harmless uh, terms, because they're learning that as a society— we desire that this society desires that those terms that that uh, are now accepted and, and you have you know you have these these leaders of both the satanic temple or the church of satan using these pronouns that's essentially what they are just as pronouns they're using pronouns there's this, this demon uh, the evil trinity that, that you described earlier with the the gods uh their gods so so i mean it's it's all a part of this uh, wider net that you're talking about just but they're yeah. doing it so that it sounds plausible it's it's like the apple being offered to adam and eve it's the same pro- premise that's right uh, it says here lucian greaves the founder of the temple of satan is surprised he says i find the temple's the temple's queerness well surprising it's not a big deal he said we don't have strict separations or definitions of our gay membership or trans membership, or anybody else. Though he doesn't have an exact headcount of the LGBTQ members, Lucian Greaves says he wouldn't be surprised if more than half identify as such. An estimate that conforms with my experience at the LA chapter. The organization as a whole is a platform for the LGBTQ members to celebrate their identities. Eddie, you want to pick it up from there? 
Yeah, it says throughout the long history of satanic culture, there's always been a tenor of tweaking the status quo, tweaking the mainstream, said David uh, Embry, who teaches a religious studies at Missouri State University. Uh, th that opposition to the status quo, Embry said, is exactly why the temple has such a great appeal to many who have been burned by mainstream religions. What's more interesting in, in his mind is the way temple Satanists form the community in the relative safety and privacy of online chat rooms. The internet is the best friend Satanism ever had, he said, which makes sense when you consider how dangerous it can be to identify as anything other than cisgendered, straight, and Christian in much of the country. It says, uh, that original story, how the Satanic Temple was, near, uh, was mostly born online, makes it for an almost too perfect metaphor. The internet operates as both a Pandora's box of vile commentary and a tool for distributing a means of communication and organization to marginalized communities around the world. It obscures uh, as much as it clarifies and blunts loneliness as often as it exacerbates it. Those are modern day dualities that both queers and Satanists are all too familiar with. Humans are complex, as Astaroth put it. I don't understand why you would resist being as many things as you want to be. The idea shouldn't be intimidating, but refreshing. Eddie, here's something interesting. In the Old Testament, there's a verse. It's in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 23, verse 5. It says this, and it, and it doesn't make sense unless you get the context of this. It says, here, here Moses is telling the Israelites, a woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear woman's clothing, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this, close quote. So you're saying, why would God, why would God tell Moses to tell, to tell the chosen people in the Old Testament, you know, guys, don't be wearing women's clothes and women don't be wearing guys' clothes. Ah, well, the reason was, doing a little investigation into it, is that the Egyptians had a transgender deity named Shauska, who we reject, rebuke, and renounce in Jesus' name. And so the Jews were used to worshiping for 430 years when they were captive over in, in, in Egypt. They were used to worshiping this demon Shauska, who was a transgender deity. And so this is why when they were released from captivity, Moses warned the, the Jewish people Hey, men don't dress like women. Women don't dress like men. Why? Because that was the practice back in Egypt under this deity called Shauska. I just found I just found that very interesting when I was doing some of the research on this. And just that's that's a perfect verse to use for cross dressing. When anybody says there's nothing wrong with cross dressing, you know, I do that on the on, on, you know, in a hotel room on the weekends, like some priests have told us. And uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, that's the perfect uh, Bible verse to take them to because uh, there is something wrong with it. And the, the God, the, the Godhead that we know of, that was initially present in the Old Testament, in the Old Te in, the, in the New Testament, is President Jesus said it back then. Yeah, absolutely. And also, here's something else very interesting: is that uh, there's another verse in the Old Testament. Well, actually, I, I found this tradition in the Old Testament. St. Jerome, one of the great doctors of the church, one of the early church fathers, one of the great 38 doctors of the church, he said that the, the demon goddess 
Astaroth, which this in this article, this uh, this one young man, he called himself by that name. Uh, St. Jerome says that Astaroth was a demon goddess, the demon goddess of pride. St. Jerome also said that Astaroth was celebrated in the, in, in, back in the pagan world in June. St. Jerome also says that Astaroth, this demon goddess, was also the goddess of parades and she caused men to dress like women and vice versa. So, Eddie, what we have here is the return of these demon, these demon deities. They don't die. They're like angels. Angels and demons don't die. These Old Testament demons that were causing gender trans, uh, uh, confusion back in the ancient world, guess what? They're back. And you know why they're back? I'll tell you why. Because we've rejected God as a country. And so when you reject God your house will become repossessed with those demons that were once cast out. God cast those demons out from the Israelites once upon a time. But guess what? These demons are back even seven times stronger. And now they're inhabiting our civilization. Why? Because we've rejected God. Eddie Commons? Just, you know, what you just described sounded like a commentary on, on a news flash uh, from, from last month. You know, they're showing the gay praise and the men dressing like women and vice versa. Just uh, the demons are back without a doubt. Yeah. You know, we have to understand as Catholics just how specific the Lord could be. Because a lot of times we kind of dismiss it as just uh, folklore and, and other things that don't mean much. But this is a direct warning from Almighty God, just, and it violates his law. And I'd hate to be uh, this this kid this kid Asaroff, because look, what this society should be telling kids like him, believing they're gay as a teenager, is look, they should be, we should be saying as a society, as their parents, no less, should be saying, listen, take your time, slow your roll. We're going to help you through this. You know, uh, teenagers have different feelings. Uh, so, so believe me, in six months, it's going to be different. Don't, don't worry about this church of Satan. Don't worry about this satanic temple. We're going to help you through it. But you know what, Jess? Parents nowadays are too busy for this. And uh, that's that's something that we're going to have to answer for. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we see right now is the return of these pagan gods in modern America. And the only way we can... We can uh, deliver ourselves or liberate ourselves from these demon pagan deities is by returning back to God, just like our coin says, in God we trust or one nation under God. Uh, apart from God, there is no political solution, Eddie, to getting rid of these demons right now that, inha that inhabit the United States. The United States right now is, again, it was a house that was cleaned out once upon a time, but because we didn't adorn this house, as St. John Chrysostom says, with virtue, with holiness, America now has allowed uh, the demons to come back even seven times stronger. And these, some of the things that we see happening right now as we study history, we're seeing these are the demons, the same demons that attacked ancient civilizations using the same thing. Uh, all I could say is uh, Psalm 69 verse 2, God come to our assistance, Lord make haste to help us. <laughs> Just this is something that, that's so prevalent in our society. It's funny that we're talking about this on July 3rd because just yesterday uh, a priest called me to help him with a prayer and a deliverance uh, that we know of. 
And uh, it's somebody that you and I worked on a long time ago, worked with a long time ago. And uh, this person uh, got, got the seven demons that we're talking about. They, they came back and she's, uh, she's in trouble. Yep. Unless you adorn the house with virtue, the demons will come back. Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez. We're going to be talking about the satanic temple. It says it will fight to death for LGBTQ rights. Stick around. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car. Just want to remind you that I'm going to the Holy Land, my wife Anita and myself, uh, along with Father Dave Nix, my pastor, Father Craig Friedley, who is a retired military a chaplain. Uh, we're going to be hosting a trip to the Holy Land October 6th to the 16th. We'd love for you to come with us, an unforgettable trip into the land where God actually walked. Uh, if, if you want information, just go to my website, jesseromero.com, jesseromero.com, and the flyer is on the front page. Eddie, we want to tr- change gears now. We want to talk about the Satanic Temple. It says it will fight to death for LGBTQ rights, which proves my point. My point is, I've been telling people now for weeks, if not months, that the Temple of Satan and the transgender movement they cross-pollinate. They're friends. They're bedfellows. They work together to advance the culture of death. And this article by Serena Sonoma, uh, it's very short, but she nails it. Yeah, just let's start off with the article here. It says, uh, um, the Satanic Temple is fighting for LGBTQ plus rights. At least that's what the new documentary about the Satanic Temple wants to prove. Hail Satan is a new documentary uh, directed by U.S. filmmaker Penny Lane that follows the Satanic Temple and co-founder Lucian Greaves to understand their beliefs and practices. What the film finds is the group is more focused on supporting social justice and human rights than worshiping the devil himself. Uh, It goes on to say the temple was founded in 2013 and is separate from the Church of Satan, which was founded in 1966 by Anton LaVey, in San Francisco. Matter of fact, the house, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that later. The uh, temple's mission is to encourage benevolence and empathy among all people, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense and justice, and be directed by the human conscience to undertake noble pursuits guided by the individual will. It follows seven tenets which focus on empathy, compassion, justice, and bodily autonomy. Jess, I know of another church that's uh, uh, interested about about its uh, leaders backing social justice and human rights. Uh, this church, uh, uh, the, the, the followers of that church are complaining about uh, wanting more strict teaching on catechesis. And they're clamoring for more light to be focused on uh, 2,000 years of doctrine and dogma. Uh, does that sound familiar to anybody? It's, it sounds like... It sounds like Catholic. Anyway, uh, where am I here? Uh, go ahead and take over from there. Yeah. I had heard about the Satanic Temple when they were doing their campaign in Oklahoma, Lane said. According to BBC News, I thought it was a very funny joke from afar that they were sort of pretending to be Satanists. But I discovered that I discovered they had at one point 
50,000 members. According to Lucian Greaves, the temple is mostly made up of LGBTQ plus people who feel disowned and disenfranchised from the traditional religious institutions saying, quote, we will always fight them. We will fight them to the death to ensure that there are equal rights for the gay community, close quote. From the start, when one of our early actions was the pink mass. So notice, Eddie, they don't call it the pink service or the pink synagogue or the pink mosque, the pink mask. So you could already see who their nemesis is, who their arch rival. It's the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. The article says a lot of LGBTQ people were looking for another community that didn't see them as defined by their sexual orientation. Close quote. Lucian Greaves says, within the satanic temple, we're all pretty much one and the same. We're all Satanists, and it's not like we have tolerance for trans people or gay people or sex workers. We just don't blank and care, and a lot of people in those communities appreciate that. In other words, they're moral relativists, and there is no right, there is no wrong. Everybody basically defines what's right and wrong for them, so they're accepting of everybody because, again, they're moral relativists. We're in the Catholic Church. We, we accept all sinners, but we tell sinners we need to pursue a life of holiness. We need to pursue a life of living in sanctifying grace. And so although the church accepts everybody, the church baptizes people, brings them into the body of Christ, and the church also gives them uh, rules called the Ten Commandments so that we can grow in a life of virtue and holiness. Um, the article says, According to Lucian Greaves, the temple is also involved in pride parades around the country and vows to protect and fight for the gay community and their rights. The co-founder also says that he regularly receives death threats from, the, from white and Christian supremacy groups like the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> to me, it's funny. I don't know why he received a death threat from the Ku Klux Klan because uh, these guys are anti-Catholic bigots historically that were founded by the Southern Democrat Party. So uh, to me... The, the KKK and, and the Temple of Satan, I don't know why they don't get along. But go ahead, Eddie. You know, just I don't have that part. Of, go ahead and, go ahead and yeah. continue with the article. It's, well, it's just only one. Uh, it says here, Lucian Greaves, the, 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 the Pope of the Temple of Satan, he says, one problem is that a lot of the threats come through Facebook, and Facebook has their own policies on regulating death threats. They've never found a death threat made against a satanic temple to be outside their terms of service, Lucian Greaves explains. There's always that question whether or not it's a credible threat, and you just never know until somebody does something radically stupid, but that's part of the day-to-day, close quote. So uh, uh, once again, the point that I'm making here, or the, the article makes, is that the Temple of Satan and the, the transgender movement, they work together. They, uh, Lucian Greaves has been known to say in other interviews he says, we will fight like hell for them. Fight for who? What, for, the te- for the transgender movement. Why? Because he admits, he says most of the members of the Temple of Satan are transgender. Lucian Greaves admits that. And, and so, Eddie, here, here are the three things that we as Catholics are fighting right now. And this is one of the things that we have to poise, uh, we have to poise our energy, our prayers, and our effort against. We're fighting... The, the sissies of perpetual indulgence. Notice I didn't call them the sisters. I call them the sissies of perpetual indulgence. Okay? Uh, a lo- if you go to a lot of their social media pages, a lot of the leaders of these, these drag queens and transgender people, you go right to their social pages and you'll see they're Satanist. 
They don't hide it. There's, in their social media, they have satanic lyrics, satanic figures, satanic t-shirts, satanic tattoos, uh, satanic signs in the background. Uh, yeah, all, all the leaders of the transgender movement that I've been on to their, to their social media pages, they're all Satanist. Now we also have the transgender movement and the temple of Satan that goes around the United States consecrating cities to Satan. Eddie, so here are the three groups that are attacking Catholics right now. The Temple of Satan, and I know that because I organized a, 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 a prayer rally against them in Scottsdale. I organized another prayer rally in Boston, Massachusetts against them. Uh, and these guys, every year they pick a city to consecrate the Satan. So we as Catholics have to show up uh, boots on the ground with our rosaries in our hand. Uh, and we also were fighting the sissies of perpetual indulgence. You, I don't think they're going to stop with Dodger Stadium. I think there was a huge slap in the face, but I think they're going to continue this from one, from one, uh, you know, baseball team or football team to another. So we as Catholics have to show up. We got to we got to suit up and show up as well, just like we did in Los Angeles. And uh, and the third group that we're fighting is just the entire drag queen movement. Uh, the drag queen movement. They're 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 open about. Their goal, they're saying, we're at, we're coming after your children. So, Eddie, the unholy trinity right now against Catholic Christians is the transgender movement, the drag queens, we're coming after your children. The sissies of perpetual indulgence, which uh, mock the Catholic faith uh, in public. And then we also have the temple of Satan, which consecrates cities to Satan. We have never seen, Eddie... This much organized evil in my lifetime. I'm 61 years old. I've never seen this type of organized evil in my lifetime. You know, just that's one thing that Catholics must realize. And, and that is this. We were born at the time we were born to fight this battle. Yeah. In some way, God saw it proper that we be born and, and, and participate in this battle against evil. And for us to sit back and watch the game on, on, on a Sunday or a Saturday, uh, those days are over, Jess. Uh, like I tell some of these confirmation kids that we teach, you know, the days of on-the-fence Catholics is over. You get on one side or the other. We have enough weak Catholics to last us to eternity. We need to make sure that we have strong Catholics willing to fight for our faith. And they're telling us, and these, uh, this evil trinity that you refer to, Jess, is that they're going to fight to the death. And they're talking about not only a spiritual death, but you know what? I think eventually, just when we get into the nuts and bolts of this, there's going to be some some blood spilled over this. And uh, you know what? That's why we're uh, celebrating the uh, the month of July, the most precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. And uh, Eddie, I, I love that picture right behind you, the Lion of Judah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. That when Christ comes back, he's not going to come back as a lamb of God. That was one and done. That was the first advent of Christ. Second advent of Christ, he's going to come back as the lion of Judah, the king of kings and lord of lords. And boy, oh boy, when he roars, is the world going to hear his roar. And I uh, like your St. Benedict's crucifix right behind you as well. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice, little, nice little optics. Yeah, We're, yeah. That now that I'm back to this, I'm participating fully in this, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're back to full contact Catholicism. I think so. I think so. Starting with yeah. the, uh, the rally that we did back uh, back a couple of weeks ago. Just you know, like I said, you know, uh, these, these movements are all based on a couple of things that I've noticed. One is feelings. So whatever you want to call yourself, just call yourself that. And it starts off 
It's based on confusion. How many times have we rejected? I've heard people reject the uh, the demons of confusion in in a in a, a deliverance. So so this is the thing. Just when you're confused, that's the time to back our kids up. That's the time to stand up and be parents. And let's let's nip it at the bud there. But then again, fight uh, fight the uh, the battle that we're fighting with uh, these uh, this evil trinity. That's necessary. That's right. You're listening to Jesus 911, two-man car, Jess Romero, Eddie Chavez. We're talking about the satanic temple. They're saying they will fight to the death for LGBTQ rights. Why will they do that? Because they're one and the same. They're part of team, they're part of team Satan. We'll be right back. Stick around, don't go anywhere. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Hey, uh, la- last week, I went to go visit the incorrupt body of a black nun. Her name is Sister Wilhelmina. She's actually the foundress of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. Uh, she's, uh, she's buried over in Kansas, or, or in Missouri. And me and my wife went to go, we went to Holy Mass over there at the shrine. And we went to go pray in front of her tomb. And I prayed for every single family member, every single person in VMPR, and every family uh, of, of, of the BN, VMPR host. So Eddie, I prayed for the Chavez family on my knees in front of the crypt of Sister Wilhelmina. Her body's incorrupt. I prayed for every single one of you guys in VMPR. And you know what? Thank you, Jess. That's, that's beautiful. I didn't know you had done that. And and you know, Jess, isn't it, isn't it beautiful that during this time of racial inequality and all those things that we hear about on the news, there's a black nun incorrupt Catholic incorruptible that now we have they have to answer for that too. So give me a good explanation for that, uh, Lucian Greaves. Yeah, and and this is something that I think it was God's message to, to the United yeah. States. And it's I'm telling you, you you're getting thousands of people that are going over there on a pilgrimage. Even Protestants are saying what? A lot of Protestants for the very first time are hearing about incorrupt bodies. They never heard about that before, yeah. and now now Protestants are starting to investigate what's this incorruptible that's these incorrupt bodies that only happen in the Catholic church. So, uh, I just, I just wanted to share that with the audience that I was there, me and Anita, we went to go do a pilgrimage over there. And I also use that as a, as a point to go visit my youngest son, Joshua, who lives out there and who lives out there in Kansas city, Kansas city, Kansas. And Eddie, you'll, you'll like this. Uh, Joshua, my Joshua, my youngest son just made the SWAT team. You'll probably appreciate that. Yeah, when I looked at when I looked at the things that he had to pass, I'm like, you have to do what? It's a whole list of things like, you know, 500 yards of swimming with no hands, just with your feet, with fins. I mean, it was just uh, being being able to break down your Glock underwater with your eyes closed. I'm looking at this stuff, Eddie. There is not a chance I would have passed even as a young man. <laughs> No, not even as a young man. You're right. Because I always think to myself, when I was young, but some of the things these guys are doing now, like Josh. Uh, but let's be honest, Jess. He had plenty of uh, plenty of practice in your pool going back and forth. <laughs> My kids spent a lot of time with him in there. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. 
Hey, I, I want to get a little bit into the history of Pride Month. People say, okay, so where did this come from? And, and we know that, again, the liberals, starting with, uh, starting with Obama, and of course, it really ramped up with, with Biden, uh, this whole thing about June being Pride Month. And Biden wrote a presidential proclamation. It's on the internet. You can read it. Where he says, he says this, I'll read to you a few sentences. He says this, quote, In June 1969, a group of courageous Americans rose up to protest the violence and marginalization they face as what became known as the Stonewall Inn Uprising. June is Pride Month because of that. Okay, so here's, here's my problem with the president's narrative. The only problem with our, the president's narrative is that it's twisted. Why, why do I say it's twisted? Well, here's what he didn't say. And in, in researching some of the history on Pride Month, I discovered, okay? So the, the bar in, in, in Greenwich Village, New York, was called Stonewall Inn. Guess what? It was owned by the mafia. It violated several laws. It was regularly raided by the police, so it was not one of those places, uh, you know, where you'd probably want to go and, uh, you know, uh, and, and spend a lot of free time at. The difference was that night of the Stonewall in riots, the people that President Biden praised as courageous Americans that stood bravely against the police to protect violence, they were the ones who actually committed the violence. The police consisted of about eight cops, eight street cops, and the mob that came against them consisted of about a hundred people, homosexuals, and the hundreds rose up violently against the eight cops, throwing stones at them. The police were afraid for their lives, you know, vastly outnumbered, and so they retreated into the bar. And they barricaded themselves to save their lives. Well, guess what? The mob tried to get a hold of the police by breaking the doors down and setting the bar on fire with the police inside the bar. They poured lighter fluid on paper and projectiles and drew and threw them at the bar. They tried to burn the eight cops alive. This is what Joe Biden wants to celebrate. And what else does he want to celebrate? Well, what else happens as a result of this homosexual movement that's morphed into now the LGBTQ movement, which has morphed into the transgender movement? But it all comes from the homosexual movement in 1969. Now, I guess Joe Biden wants to celebrate the fact that we're mutilating children, and we celebrate that. Eddie, I just asked myself, have we gone mad? What, what would possess this country to do something like this? And so... This is the history behind Pride Month that you're not going to hear from Joe Biden. And all I can say is this, that when a nation turns away from God, once again, and he drives God's spirit out of its culture, well, guess what? That nation's not going to stay empty. You're going to find demonic spirits that are going to come in and they will possess and transform this country, a country who rejects God and sweeps God clean of this country, it will be inhabited by these ancient demonic spirits that never die. Just who was it that said, if you don't believe in God, you're not going to believe in, um, in uh, anything. 
or excuse me, you won't believe in nothing. You're going to believe in anything. anything. I'm not sure who said that. G.K. Chesterton. Okay, that, that's who it was. And so just, you know, when you start thinking about the, the mob and this group of individuals and the police, you know, isn't it the Democrats? Well, excuse me. Yep, isn't it yep, a yeah. certain party? No, no, it's the Democrats. It's the Democrats, yeah. Yeah, no, I know that, but I didn't want to say that. But, but the thing is this, look, uh, uh, instead of supporting them, talking about why it, they should be supported, our, our pristine Catholic president who, who has backed up and, and officiated gay weddings before, just you're talking about, yes, we are mad. This country's mad for voting Biden into office, not recognizing what he actually stood for. Uh, but he, why didn't he? Why didn't he say? You know what? Uh, the mob is full of people who actually have a right of initiation by burning a saint in their hands and saying, "I reject thee." That—that's how you became a mobster in the old days. So I don't understand why you would pick of uh, of those three different groups. The uh, you know uh, the one that he picked. So it's just, it's just a terrible shame that uh, that Biden is the president and more shameful that he's a Catholic because his eternal jeopardy, his eternal life is in jeopardy, Just That's my feeling. Eddie, you know what's, what's scary is also, and I'll tell you why the country's in shambles, is because you could actually see from the Bible that when you have wicked leaders, it affects the whole country, okay? Wicked leaders affect the whole country. Uh, you could see... There, there's many examples. Here's one in Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19. It says, For the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. Ahaz, by the way, was a wicked king, uh, husband of Jezebel. For he had dealt wantonly in Judah and had been faithless to the Lord. I could give you other examples. The Bible shows that an entire kingdom will be punished by God for the actions of the leader for the actions of the wicked king. You see that in 2 Chronicles 15, 16, Deuteronomy 28, 36. A wicked leader who rejects God and rejects God's laws, he will bring judgment upon the entire country. And this is why as Catholics, uh, I know some people say, I don't want, <laughs> I want nothing to do with Joe Biden. At the very least, you have to pray for him because I can tell you one thing. America hangs in the balance right now because God will judge a nation and punish a nation in so far as we have wicked leaders and we have a wicked leader in the White House. And so please, every single day, at least say in our father in a Hail Mary for Joe Biden's conversion, because if not so much for him, for us and our children, because his actions as a as a civil patriarch infect the entire country. Just, you know. He's actually put the entire country in a certain danger. Yeah. And the danger is coming from one or two places. It's going to come from the, the conflict in the Ukraine or it's going to come from China. I mean, we know who that's going to come from. So, um, you know, this whole thing about his son Biden and, and all the other shenanigans going on, we have to reject that. And you're right. We have to pray for him because that, that's the only way we're going to. I mean, just this guy is, is he's terrible. Let's just admit it. That's a Catholic we shouldn't support, believe me. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what's worse, Eddie, is that it is, uh, throughout the passing of time, because he makes sacrilegious communions, what I mean by that is he receives Holy Communion every Sunday in a state of mortal sin. And so what happens as a result of that, his heart, 
his disposition becomes harder and harder like Pharaoh because the Holy Communion is either going to save your soul or the Holy Communion is going to be your death sentence, either or. It all depends how you receive Holy Communion. If you receive it in a state of grace, it will be the bread of life, the medicine of immortality. If you receive it in mortal sin, it is your death sentence. You're eating and drinking condemnation. And it makes you even more wicked and it gives you, it makes your heart even harder like Pharaoh. Eddie? Yeah, Jess, you know, we have to remember what this whole fight is about. I think if we, if we boil this down, uh, it came from 1917 from, from Fatima. And that is the final battle yes. between good and evil will be of marriage and the family. Okay, so we have to be cognizant that, you know, let, let's not let's not argue over when the three days of darkness is going to happen. Let, let's not be arguing uh, at the last minute here about the seriousness of an open border or, or, or other reasons. But look, Jess, we have to know what it is all about. It's about marriage and the family. We have to keep our family strong. We have to keep our children strong, our grandchildren even stronger, because they're fighting a battle that we couldn't even imagine back then. And, uh, and 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 ultimately, Jesus is going to come and save us anyway. Like you said before, we're not going to solve this problem on our own. Nope, that's right. Hey, that's a wrap. Uh, don't forget to pray your rosary every day. Remember, we we serve the Virgin Most Powerful. She's our twelve-star general. Pray your rosary every day. Go to mass as often as possible. Read your Bibles every day. Live in a state of grace. And remember, Fridays penance, penance, penance. That's a wrap. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for Eddie and myself, we are EOW, end of watch. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.